Hello and welcome to Renegade Mama. I am your host, Natalie Rees. Today on the show, I speak to Dr. Claire Davison. Claire is a privately practicing midwife who attends births at home as well as in hospital. She is also an academic who holds a PhD and she is a lecturer in midwifery at Edith Cowan University here in Perth, Western Australia. Claire and I chat about all things birth and feminism, the last frontier. We start by chatting about her own births, always a favourite way to start an interview. Then we chat about working inside the system, working outside the system, changing the system, or maybe just creating a new one. Ultimately, a birth revolution. Claire is a woman who is changing the face of birth by educating the next generation of midwives, and I am very grateful for her work, knowledge, and passion. Welcome to the show, Claire. Today I have Claire Davison, who is a midwife, yep. a lecturer, yep. and uh, you also have a PhD. I do have a PhD, yep. Yeah. Um, how about you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, in your own words, about your family. <laughs> Oh, that's always a tricky one, isn't it? So um, I am a mother of two. So I've got two kids. I've got Jake, who's 21, mm-hmm. and Tallulah, who's 16. I have a partner, Andrew, who I've been with for nearly 30 years. So I met him when I was 17. So he's, yeah, he's been around, we've been around together for a while. Um, and I'm a midwife and an academic, and I have been working with women in the community since 2009 in Australia, did my training in Australia, um, my midwifery training in Australia. I was a nurse before then, so I did my nursing in the UK. And yeah, and I also work as a lecturer at one of the universities in Perth um, because I love women and I love midwifery and I really want to kind of influence the next generation of midwives to well, practice like I do, of course, <laughs> to, um, yeah, to give women um, the best best care that ca- they can, really. Yeah, I think there's a lot of lacking in the system and, you know, majority of women birth in the system. So I think that, you know, being in education is a really good way of trying to influence the, um, the way that that care is delivered in the system. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Okay, um, let's have a little chat about, you know, where it all started for you. Um, when did you decide you wanted to be a midwife? Or maybe let's go back to the birth of your children. That came first, did it? So yes and no. So my auntie is a midwife okay. um, in the UK. Yep. So obviously I'm from the UK. So my view of midwifery, I think, is a little bit different than um, the Australian view of midwifery. Mm-hmm. So my auntie is a midwife and is a community midwife and, you know, is very normal and just not alternative or, you know, is just amazing woman. And when I was little, I remember her coming and, you know, being on call and going out to the births and it was just very normal to me. And then the way that care's provided in the UK or when I had my kids was very community-based as well. So to me, a midwife was just part of the community. It was normal. So when I got pregnant with my son, so like, you know, he's 22 in September, Mm -hmm. um, you went to the doctors because that's what you did to say I'm pregnant. And they go, great, the midwife's here on whatever day. And then you, you know, saw the midwife. So it wasn't, it was never treated that it was an illness or anything like that. Yeah. 
my friend that I went to school with is also a midwife. Um, and I was already a nurse when I got pregnant with my son. And I always knew I wanted to be a nurse, but I knew I wanted to be a midwife later. Yeah. Because to me, they're very different. So nursing was something I was going to do when I was young. And it was a bit, you know, a bit fancy and a bit, you know, exciting. And then when I got old, I thought I'd become a midwife because that's a different kind of job. And it'd be all, you know, chilled and, you know, lovely. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so then, yeah, so Jake was born in the UK and I actually had a hospital birth with Jake because when I was pregnant, I had a complication and had some bleeding. Yep. Um, and anyway, and that was fine because my friend who was a midwife was with me. It was quite challenging, but, you know, if I'd had him here, I probably would have had a cesarean because it was a very long labor. Mm-hmm. What was the complication in pregnancy? So I had just had a bleed. So I had, um, so I had um, a well basically the placenta had lifted slightly and I had a bleed but then it was a it was a partial placental abruption so yeah. which can be really really serious yeah. or it can be something that you kind of keep an eye on mm-hmm. and I'd done it by um I worked as a nurse and in those days you did a lot of lifting and shifting mm-hmm. so I basically you know pu- pulled myself up work and had a bleed from that so mm-hmm. what had happened is the placenta had lifted up a little bit and then a blood clot had formed underneath so there were they were worried that, you know, that it would happen, you know, it would shear. And then, of course, if the placenta abrupts, then, you know, that's really, really dangerous. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it didn't. So that was fine. But, um, yeah, so he was born in hospital. And um, how was that experience for you emotionally? You said you had your friend there. So did you? Oh, uh, it was it was an interesting when you reflect, because at the time I kind of thought it was OK. Mm-hmm. But as you do, because you don't know any different. Mm-hmm. Um it was really long. It was really, really long. And um, how many I, hours was it? You know, so maybe started on the Wednesday night, and he was born on the Friday morning. Wow! But didn't go to hospital until the Thursday night. Okay. But when I got there, I remember everyone was like, "Oh, the baby's going to be born by you know in a few hours," and then you know he was born at half past seven the next morning. Wow! Um, and you know all the things that I thought were going to happen didn't happen because it was so slow the progress um i just realized i'm doing hand signals to you and you won't hear that on the podcast but you know i had inverted commas <laughs> um and then you know i kind of gave up for a bit as well and i ended up with an epidural that i asked for because i was just so exhausted and then with the epidural came the monitoring and then i just you know stared at a monitor for a few hours and i hated it i absolutely hated having an epidural because i couldn't feel anything Mm. and so I found that really disempowering like in reflection I wouldn't have used those words at the time but I just remember giving up and it was one of those things and I suppose when I reflect it's one of the reasons and I didn't think about this until I actually became a midwife you know it wasn't and I kind of come back to it but basically I sent my friend away because you know nobody could help me anymore I'd kind of given up and there was a change of shift so the midwife that had taken over from my friend was very didn't really say much, didn't really do much, didn't really engage with us. But of course, it was, you know, middle of the night and she obviously thought I needed to sleep or whatever. My husband was kind of dozing in a chair and so she didn't really engage with me much. And then I was fully dilated or whatever, but didn't have any urge to push. And, you know, and because it's the UK, they kind of just leave you. And then I remember it was literally the change of shift. And this, so I still get choked when I think about it. Mm. This midwife came in and said, <clears throat> well, are you going to have your baby? And I remember looking at her going, what do you mean? Well, <laughs> obviously not. It's not coming out. And she said, well, nobody else is going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's about time you got up and pushed your baby out. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God. And she just gave me all my power back. Yeah. So I got up and had a baby. 
Wow. So I always think, gosh, what would have happened if she hadn't have come in or it'd been a different midwife who'd have gone, you know, don't worry about it. We'll just pull it out now. You know, you're tired, you know, mm. um, because that is the kind of care that you get quite often. Yeah. So I didn't really, you know, then you have a baby and then, you know, you get on with life as such. Mm-hmm. So, you weren't induced at all? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, how, and, did, how did you give birth? Were you on your back? Or were you standing up? Were you had an epidural? So, so I, was, I was on the bed, but I was um, kneeling. Yeah. Which was quite funny, actually. One of the, one of the poo stories as a midwife, you've got to have the poo story, haven't you? <laughs> so my husband um, <laughs> didn't want to be anywhere near that end. And he you know, didn't when we had my daughter either. And, um, you know, like you're pushing and you're pushing and then, you know, a bit of poo came out or other. Yeah. And I always remember him telling, because, you know, the birth story gets told out. And he said he was so worried because he had to move the poo. So that's another thing that I've taken into my midwifery practice. I always make sure if there's any poo, it's removed. So the husbands or the friends or the partners <laughs> don't have to move it because he was really worried that the baby was going to be born on the poo. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So he had to remove some poo and he's not a person that would touch poo. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so he came, he came out and it was great. And again, another thing that happened again, knowing the person who's going to laugh to you as he came out and of course you can you know, sit down, you've got the baby and then you can't believe that there's this little person that was just, mm, you know, inside you. and also I remember the midwife saying to me, put your hands down, you can feel it. And I remember putting my hands down and Jake, um, had loads of hair when he was born. And I remember thinking it felt like a wet puppy, you know, those bizarre yeah. things. And then of course it's not a wet puppy. It's a real live baby. It's a wet baby. Yeah. <laughs> so when they came out and he, and he, of course he was totally fine. And I couldn't believe that there was this little person and he had really big hands and, um, yeah. So, and then, yeah, the midwife went to cut the cord and my husband stopped them. So that was really cool. Cause he's like, no. And I wanted to cut the cords myself. That was a big thing for me. Yep. Um, so, you know, anyway, so that was Jake. And so what, how long did you wait to cut the cord? Do you know? Oh, you know, a few minutes, okay. not, 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 you know, it wasn't super quick, but it yeah. wasn't, you know, like, you know, after the placenta was out, which is yeah. what, how I practice. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was definitely delayed, but they yeah. wouldn't have been if we, he hadn't have noticed that they were doing stuff. Cause you got the baby. You're so busy exactly. looking at the baby going, Oh my God. And what have... about, um, did you have a physiological third stage or did they put no. the needle no. in? in the needle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I was okay with that because yeah. it had been so long at the time. I, you know, like they did ask me. Yeah. Um. Again, in hindsight, maybe you know, knowing what I know now. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know, um. You you make the decisions with the information that you're given, don't you, or yep. the knowledge that you feel Absolutely. you have. Yeah. So that was Jake. Yeah. Um. And then we moved to Australia when he was two. Mm-hmm. And. Wasn't, I was never really maternal, to be honest. I was never somebody that particularly thought about having kids. And so Jake was a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, How old were you at the time? I was only 25 when I had Jake. Okay. Um, but my husband's 32, so he's a bit older, mm-hmm. even though he thought he was far too young. No. <laughs> um, so then it was a few years. And then, of course, we moved to Australia and, you know, you know, trying to settle here and stuff. And... I actually thought about doing my midwifery a few times, but just before we came to Australia, after Jake was born, I was going to do it. And I went back to uni because at the time I was a nurse and I'd got, um, I'd done certificate nursing. So I'd been trained in the hospital, so I didn't have enough um, credits as such to do the midwifery course because it was now university based. So I went back to uni and did a, like, you know, a couple of units in actually women's studies and gender studies, which is quite obvious, you know, now looking back, but at the time it was just, you know, filling the the credit. So I did that. And then of course came to Australia. So I didn't actually end up doing my mid then. And then we tried for a while with Tallulah. We were trying to get pregnant. 
and it didn't happen so then I thought well you know I'll do my mid now mm -hmm. so made the you know made the call um to the uni and to try and find out what I would have to do because again I didn't have the right qualifications to get in which is a bit hilarious when I think now I've got a PhD yes but at the time I didn't have enough credits to get into uni um and then anyway then I got pregnant with Tallulah so I didn't do it then mm -hmm. but then when I had Tallulah it was very different because I knew um that well, I knew that I could do a really long labor mm -hmm. and I knew I wasn't frightened of pain and I knew I didn't know that I could do it, which is quite funny when I think about as a midwife, you know that, you know, if they've had the baby the first time and have done that, they're, they're in easy bet. You're like, yeah, of course you can, you know, you can have a baby. Yeah. No worries. So that's when I kind of first found it was a little bit different over here because, you know, I, I found a midwife quite quickly because my um, sister-in-law, so my husband's brother's partner had had a baby on the CMP yep. um, which at that time was a very different place yes. to how it is now because mm. this is six, nearly 17 years ago mm. um, so she was like oh no you don't get the midwife through here you ring this number and then you get your midwife that way and it, so I was like okay so I did that and um, met my midwife and she'd had a home birth had yeah, she? yeah yeah so okay. she'd had a home birth um, so I didn't know it was weird in mm. Australia to have a home birth I, I just presumed it was still quite normal practice yep. Um, and I was working in the hospital at the time and, and so I got my midwife and it's all fine. It was great. You know, it's actually better than the UK because you didn't have to go to the community center. The midwife came to you. So, you know, all the visits were at home. It was great. Mm -hmm. um, and it was when I was about, I was probably about seven months pregnant. And that's when I started to realize that actually, you know, the way that pregnancy and birth was looked at in Australia was very different to my um, upbringing. Mm -hmm. And I was stood at work in an ED you know, with a big belly sticking out. And uh, a midwife said to me, oh, who's your obstetrician? <laughs> and I remember thinking, how can she tell by looking at me there's something wrong? Because in my <laughs> eyes, you only ever saw an obstetrician if there was something wrong. Yeah. And even then, like when I had the bleed, when I had Jake, so I had this quite big bleed, and I had to go to hospital. And, and of course, I didn't even, you know, the way that my mind worked, I rang the GP to say I've had this big bleed. And he's like, you know, go straight to hospital. And I saw the consultant there, but then they, as soon as it was fixed, even though I was high risk, I still got bounced back to the midwife. And then it was like, you know, all the decisions were my own. So I remember thinking, well, how does she know there's something wrong? Because, you know, I, um, and I said, oh, I've, I've got a midwife, you know, I'm going to have a home birth with a midwife. And she said, oh my God, you could bleed to death and die. Oh my God. But that's what she actually said to me. What? And I just was like, what? Are you, like, are you joking? And um, then she just started to tell me how dangerous it was, what, you know, what an inappropriate decision it was made. And she thought that I would know better. And so that was my kind of introduction to, you know, what Australian... Um, the psyche yeah. of Australian birth. <laughs> and then even then, I just, you know, like, again, I didn't really have many friends at the time because we hadn't been here that long. And so I didn't really get exposed that much. Yeah. And also I thought she maybe she was a bit nuts rather than that that's what the majority of society felt. You know, I'd got my little um, pregnancy yoga where was quite a few of us were home birthing, you know, and through my midwife, there was another morning, you know, group. So I was surrounded by people who thought like me. So it wasn't really that obvious. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I must admit, I did think she was a bit nuts. Um, and then, you know, I had, you know, the textbook, Amazing Easy Birth with Tallulah, which was just amazing and empowering and all the things that birth should be. Yeah. And I just thought, well, 
if you know if we if every woman every woman could feel like I felt after mm. I gave birth to her then you know there wouldn't be patriarchy there wouldn't be the issues with you know mm. violence against women which I know sounds so like one you know so simplistic but I just felt so powerful like yeah, I was I ready to is. just take on the world yeah. and um again that was that was really hard because you have a birth like that as a woman but hardly anybody else does so you don't talk about it Mm. because when you do you get well if I'd have done that my baby would have died Mm. or I couldn't have done that because you know x y and z um so you know women don't talk about those positive birth stories um which can be really sad Mm -hmm. And Tallulah was born at over 42 weeks. Yeah, so how did that go on the CMP back then? You were it was still fine. fine, yeah. I didn't book into a hospital. Yeah. I didn't have tests. I had yeah. a couple because I've got Amrisa's negative blood group. So, you know, I did do some blood tests. I had an ultrasound at 20 weeks because I chose to, but I didn't have to. Yeah. I did that because... Changed so much. Yeah, I didn't have diabetic screening. I didn't have GBA. I just didn't do a lot of stuff. I remember talking to Teresa, who was one of the people that set that yeah. up, and she was just saying she was so... Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to misquote her, but ashamed of how it's kind of gone Yeah, she, she talks about it sometimes, Teresa, um, that it's the, you know, it's the baby she gave birth to, but it became a drug-addled... <laughs> adult or something like that but you know it's that it's morphed into something that it was never intended to be and and it's really sad because you know all the decisions I made I made myself um some of them were not informed and I'd be horrified my academic brain looks at me as a woman and goes really some of my sisters was like did I do that when I was pregnant with Jake no then I won't do it no actual scientific (laughs) evidence behind it um but nobody made me do anything and that was so huge so you know I was over 42 weeks um but I never felt oh my god I mean I felt oh my god I'm over two weeks because I was over being pregnant but I (laughs) there was never a time fact I never felt like there was a time Mm. clock I never felt like I'd have to have the baby in hospital ever yeah um I mean who knows if I'd been sat at 43 weeks maybe my midwife would have been having that conversation with me but she never did there was just not the pressure there there was no pressure at all the baby will come when it's ready it was me that was putting the pressure on going oh my god why isn't the baby here you know but no there was never a worry about and it's crazy that that's amazing we were talking about that a little bit before that you know that it's a woman's right to choose and in the um uh, climate today that's so often I yeah. mean there is still the woman's right to choose but it's hard that she can not always find that support and well yeah and it's sorry Anastasia I just yeah. interrupted yeah, you then go. but it's like she can choose as long as she chooses the choices we're going to give her exactly so if those choices don't exist mm-hmm. you know what are you going to do if you're 43 weeks pregnant mm-hmm. and you're not allowed to do this now. I mean, how is that even a, a, a thing? Exactly. Like, how are you not allowed to do anything? I, I you think know? this is the hard thing, you know, when it comes to free birth, for example. Like, I chose to free birth because that's what I wanted to do. But many women are choosing yeah. to free birth because they don't actually have any other options. And, and I yeah. think that's really fucked that yeah. you uh, want a midwife there, but yeah. you're not, uh, you can't find anyone that will yeah. support you. And I think. I guess it comes down to liability and the legalities of you know, it all. You know, I don't even think it's legality. Do you know, do you think I think it it's fear. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, when it's really hard, and I agree with you 100% about mm. free birth, I mm. think free birth, you know, for the women that choose free birth, mm-hmm. they choose it because it's what they want. And I think, you know, absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. 
I have a real problem with women choosing free birth because they have no other option because I don't think it's fair and I think yeah. it's wrong that a woman is backed into a corner yes, and absolutely. she chooses. And I think it's dangerous because that is not free birth in the right kind of way. Yeah. But I guess the other side of the coin to that is, is it not just as dangerous for that woman to go to hospital? Oh, absolutely. So it's yeah. kind of like... Well, it's a lesser danger and that's what that's what yeah. they're choosing. So for the women, you know, giving birth, on your own without you know yeah. i'm not necessarily like totally on your own but giving birth without a medical professional if you feel you need a medical professional is dangerous is dangerous yeah i agree um, because but, that's how postpartum hemorrhage yeah. happens you know the oxytocin's not gonna yeah, flow exactly if you, don't if feel you got said and... but like you said it's not as dangerous yeah. as going to the hospital. And that's what we're dealing with. And what, what the system doesn't understand is that just because you take women's choices away doesn't mean they're gonna do what you tell them to do. And that's when I get into my big feminist rant because yeah. you know, there's, you know, there was a doctor that quite famously said, um, and has said it repeatedly, that if you take the midwives away, the women have to come to hospital. Wow. But they don't. The women stay home, yeah. just like they would. Or the women stay home until they get too fearful and then come to hospital. And then they get reprimanded that they should have come earlier. Or then there are complications because they're terrified of the hospital, mm -hmm. but they're also terrified of being on their own. And, and I just think that is absolutely appalling that that's even a conversation that we're having that, you know, that, you know, you should be allowed to choose to do whatever you want. Of course. And we should be supporting women to do whatever they want. So if a woman, you know, regardless of her risk factors mm. says, I want to birth my baby at home, then we need to underpick that and go, okay, so, you know, we advise you that, you know, you've got X, Y, and Z and that, you know, is more beneficial for you to birth in hospital because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And if they still say no, then we go, okay, well, how can we support you to be safe and feel safe, you exactly. know? Exactly rather than going well no this is your option because they're not always going to choose that option and that's not an option <laughs> yeah and coercion is not you know is yes. not informed choice it's very different exactly and i and i think that's what gets me so riled up and it gets me so upset you know that you know as midwives exactly like i can't work it in other, any other way for my own um practice I can only work in private practice mm -hmm. because I can't tell a woman what to do ever. Yes. I can give women information. Yes. I can even give them, you know, advice in some ways, but it's ultimately always that woman's choice. And yeah. I think that what's really difficult for a lot of midwives working in the system is that they feel that they can't be openly discussing choice with women. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's really hard to uh, make, <laughs> maybe it's not hard, but, uh, it can be a challenge at time to make a difference. Like I, my midwife, Jo Hunter, put up a post the other day that she transferred in um, with a patient from a home birth, a VBAC, and the doctor said, what was she doing having a VBAC at home? What does she think she is in Sudan? She, so he was not only <laughs> racist, but he was, you know, a complete misogynist as well. Um, and I said to Jo on the post, I said did you say anything? Because she was saying, I'm gonna speak out. And she was speaking out on the post on Facebook. And I said, did you say anything to him? And she said, no. And I said, why not? And she said, because I didn't want to, um, what did she say exactly? But I didn't want to put that woman's care or oh, yeah. whatever in danger. And it's so fucked that we can't speak or we choose not to speak up for the fear of being a, a woman's care changing because of speaking yeah. up or, do you know, when I did my PhD, so I did my PhD 
Well, there's lots of different reasons why I did my PhD and there's yeah. lots of different topics that I was going to do. But yeah. what I wanted to do was look at you know, the history of midwifery, really, and to go, well, why why is midwifery like this in Australia now? Why are the midwives basically working in hospitals and really doing a lot of obstetric nursing rather than what I thought was midwifery? Yeah. So that's kind of what got me. And I also wanted to record the stories because I love stories yes. and I love, you know, and I learn from stories and mm-hmm. I wanted to listen to the midwives tell me about their journeys and, you know, what have you so of course it wasn't just quite as simple as that and you end up with all these stories that you weren't expecting and these you know themes come from it and um, one of the midwives um that i interviewed said to me that you know one of, one of my themes actually in my thesis was called power and control of the institutions mm. and um and that was a theme throughout all the midwives and doctors that i interviewed um who'd all worked in the community um and the midwives said that you know that basically the doctors or the midwives, it's not just, you know, the doctors, but the hospital staff would take it out on the woman. So they had to be really careful how they reacted, mm. how the fights that they fought, because if they didn't, then they saw that the woman would get treated worse. Exactly, and that's what Joe was talking yeah. about. Yeah. And yeah, and exactly like you're saying. So, I mean, isn't that terrifying that, you know, it's still that, you know, we have to behave ourselves, otherwise we'll be, there will be repercussions, you know. Um, and I don't think you see that. Um, I don't think you see it against men in the same ways, and I don't think you see it in nursing. I think it's particularly birthing women that get treated like that. Mm. And, um, you know, men wouldn't put up with that. And we wouldn't put up with it in other parts of our lives, you know. So why does it happen during birth? I mean, it's ridiculous that, you know, just because you're having a baby means that somebody's allowed to do anything to you without your permission, because Mm. that happens every day. Oh, yeah. You know, I saw somebody put something... um, I mean, Mel, um, Mel Jackson uh, just posted something on Instagram today about um, episiotomies and yes. it'll just give you a little cut. Yes. Again, that's another thing you hear about all the time, you know. When I talk to the students, I talk, well, you know, when you're talking about an episiotomy, you say, I'm going to cut your vagina with some scissors. It sounds very different to I'm just going to do a little cut yes. or I'm just going to do a little snip. Yeah. You know, can you imagine saying that to one? I'm just going to cut the end of your penis off. Um, just because, you know, yeah. X, Y, and Z, like, it's, it's just unheard of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to do a VE, we say, it's a vaginal examination. So yeah. I'm going to put my fingers into your vagina. Yeah. Again, it doesn't sound the same. Let's say it how it is. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe if we did that, people go, oh, wait a minute, let's, let's talk about that. You're going to do what? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Language is so important mm. and being clear and clarity and making sure the women have that, I mean, I would say a lot of birthing women don't actually know even what VE would mean. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it's like the language around, like you were saying before, um, language is so important. You know, how many women do you hear say, oh, they allowed me or they let me do this? I mean, and again, in any other part of your life, would you say that? You know, oh, they allowed you to have your baby at 42 weeks. Oh, aren't they going to induce you yet? You know, because... You know, there's a certain way we have to behave, isn't it? So, you know, and somebody else gets to tell us how we can do stuff. I had this in my first pregnancy. So I um, went to get a referral for an ultrasound from the doctor. And she said, so where are you having the baby? And I said, oh, at home. And she's like, oh, I I will not allow you to have the baby at home. And I said, you're not going to allow me to do anything. And I stormed out. I said, I am going to report you. I was so angry. Yeah. And and where does that come from? How can you 
how can somebody tell you what you're allowed to do who yeah. has absolutely no power over you exactly well yeah she didn't and, um, but but also what if it was somebody who wasn't you who goes oh my god that's fucked like who are you yeah what if they'd gone oh okay all right i'm gonna do as i'm told because you know best you're the expert you know yeah. who am i i'm just you know the the woman because women don't realize that they're actually the experts do they mm-hmm. they, they go and that doctor could have been the one that made that woman you know feel inadequate or stupid or all those things and doubt herself exactly yeah um, I, and I mean, where do they get off like why do you care like really yeah it's crazy and the fear that they put into women i had another friend who uh was feeling not as many kicks for her baby so she went in and they did um the ultrasound everything was fine but she then had to go see the obstetrician because she had the little red flag he said to her worst case scenario everyone dies <laughs> sorry <laughs> And her husband said, so what, do I die? Does the midwife die? Everyone dies. It's the end of the world. And she went on to have a, yeah, obviously completely fine birth. Um, But, you know, if you're someone that's not as clear-sighted or more fear-driven, that could really, Mm -hmm. and I think he was trying to induce it there and there. But also it sticks in, you know, like I have that with, with, with women, you know, so many stories that they tell you. And, but they tell, it comes up, you know, it wasn't a big thing, but, and they're mm. telling you this story and this big, wasn't a big thing, but it stayed in their brain. And, you know, mm. I, had, I had a, uh, well, it was actually, she was a client later on, but she was telling me about her first pregnancy. And so she didn't have any care or anything until she was you know, later on in pregnancy, didn't do a pregnancy test, didn't do anything and went to the doctor for whatever reason. I can't remember what it was and said, you know, oh, you know, I'm pregnant. Um, you know, I'm due. Oh, she, oh, she was very pregnant. That was it. So when she went to the doctor, she was very pregnant, but she was on, um, she had a midwife, so she hadn't seen the doctor. And so the doctor says something like, well, you're pregnant. You know, how did you know that you didn't have any testing or something? And she was like, well, it's quite obvious. Like, I do, I am pregnant or something. And then said something to her like, well, you haven't had any ultrasounds. So how would you know? So she's like, well, because, you know, I'm pregnant. And then she said, well, what if you have a two-headed baby? How are you going to home birth that? That's what the doctor said to her. And I was like, how could you say that to somebody who was pregnant? Because as much as she was like, how ridiculous. Years later, she told me that story. And I thought, well, obviously, you laughed or thinking ridiculous, but that residual, what if there is a two-headed baby in there? You know, how could I have known it was okay because nobody externally gave me that validation that the baby was normal or fine Mm -hmm. or... You know, so it chips away at that, you your, know, that your confidence. Your confidence and your intuition. Yeah, mm, yeah. So yeah. fascinating. Because it's that external expert will tell you, like I'll, I will, you know, do a vaginal examination and I'll tell you when you can push because yeah. you couldn't possibly know without me giving you that validation. Yeah, yeah it's just taking all yeah. the power away. Yeah. And we're just so um, conditioned to do this. Why do you think, do you think it is specifically we're conditioned to birth or is it kind of like a thing from young that women are conditioned to uh, not maybe trust themselves as much? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely think it's conditioned from birth Yeah, that, you know, just a woman, you know, Mm. like I said to you before, when we were talking about, you know, 
you know, making certain choices. So, you know, there's the rational masculine choices mm -hmm. that are very clear cut and, mm -hmm. you know, and then there's the irrational woman that's full of emotion and, you know, that's not the right choice, is it? That's not the right way. And I think, you know, as women, we are conditioned from an early age that if we act or behave in a certain way, then it's a bit silly or it's a bit emotional and that's not a valid way of thinking or acting. So I think that, you know, we're, we're taught to not trust those instincts and those, those you know, womanly ways of knowing or mm. whatever you want to call it. And, to, you know, and as a society, you know, you, you're taught that if you run well, you go to the doctor or whatever like mm. that. And now pregnancy is, you know, an illness. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you know, you don't just carry on with your daily life when you're pregnant, you go to the doctor because, you know, you have to be treated for pregnancy. And then of course the only cure for pregnancy is birth. And if the byproduct is just the baby, you know, let's do that as quickly and neatly and masculine in some mm. ways, because then, you know, it's, you know, it's you know, birth messy and, mm -hmm. and, you know, emotional and he's got all those layers so you know women you know do start fly yeah. they're not quiet and meek and mild they don't behave well some do but you know yeah. that's because they choose to be yeah. you know that's that natural thing but most women you know don't just sit neatly and quietly and have a baby do they 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 make noise or they move or they you know they use their power in different ways and I think that can be very confronting mm. you know and I mean I've seen it as a midwife you've got that woman who's making all that noise you know or go give her something to shut her up kind of thing or close the door because she might scare the other women mm. you know and women themselves oh I made all that noise I'm sorry what are you saying sorry for it's amazing it was yes. beautiful you know yes. so you know I think I think it is something that we're kind of taught not to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, yeah, I think it's really confronting for lots of people, birth. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I also, I think, and tell me your thoughts on this, that birth is really the last frontier of feminism. <laughs> like, you know, there's just, there seems to be a big blind spot with so many women that can call themselves a feminist, but then they go into birth and just, straight into the patriarchy I'm going to do what I'm told yeah and I think that's a really interesting thing to underpick isn't it it's something that why why is that you know and and I think you know in some ways to be you know to go into birth you have to be very very vulnerable mm. so you know when somebody is very vulnerable you know they have to be in that safe space mm -hmm. so you know I think you know when you go when you choosing to kind of go into the patriarchy as you say it is because you know you need to feel safe and that will somebody will tell you then what to do mm. um i'm not making myself very clear i don't know how to um word it but i think again it like birth breastfeeding all that stuff is very feminine mm. and i think sometimes with some forms of feminism like some people think to be a feminist you have to be very strong mm. and you have to be you know you have to be very powerful and you have to do what you think but actually that gets muddled up with patriarchy it's so as interesting well. isn't it i always think of the feminists in the 80s and you know it was like the short hair the big shoulder pads i was like so you're trying to make yourself men it's well so that's weird. yeah so that but that's it isn't it because that i think that's what you made that so much clearer than i did that but that's exactly what i'm talking about yeah. it's the fact is that you know what does feminism mean exactly. and like and how do we you know um how do we understand it and for some people being a feminist means being strong and then that's when you bind to the patriarchy because to be strong is masculine exactly so you see when you look at you know some of the feminist 
um, leaders that we've had as well. Yes. So you look at somebody like Jacinda Ahern, who's quite feminine yeah. and stuff and is a very strong leader. And then you look at somebody like um, Angela Merkel, who's an amazing strong leader, but she dresses more masculine yes. and she behaves more masculine yeah. because she gets more respect for that. I mean, yes. because we actually value you know, men more exactly. than women. So that's what it boils down to. So if you act more like a man, therefore you're more valuable. Mm. And I think that's why birth and pregnancy and mothering has missed out on the feminist stuff because, mm -hmm. you know, you can't get much more, you know, womanly than, you know, being pregnant, giving birth and breastfeeding. So, you know, that just, it's all your weaknesses. And that's not valued. You know, we don't value pregnant women. We don't value birth mm -hmm. and we don't value breastfeeding, you mm -hmm. know, and mothering because, you know, we want you in the workforce. We exactly. want you to be productive and that's exactly. not being productive, is it? You can't, you can't put cost on that stuff. Mm -hmm. Of course we can. We think it's so important and the way that you birth and the way you bring your children up mm -hmm. you know, has a lasting um you know, um, implications on society mm -hmm. and the way that we feel like as women has that lasting impression. I remember when my husband said to me once of the many times, you know, why does it matter so much to you? You know, why do you get yourself into such a state? Why do I fight the way I do? And I've had, you know, plenty of bruises along the way from the fight. And I said to him, you know, imagine, you know, that you're the woman that, you know, thought that your birth was going to go this, that way and the other. And then you end up with, you know, all the intervention. And then you look at your partner and you go, well, you weren't there for me. Mm. Everyone let me down. Mm. And then you start mothering, you know, and you feel inadequate and you feel broken. And then, you know, then your mothering doesn't go the way you were hoping for because, you know, of all these things. And then your marriage breaks down because you don't trust them anymore. And then, exactly. you, you know, it has that implication. So, you know, actually the way we give birth affects us forever than we think yeah absolutely. absolutely it's just a big cascade yeah absolute cascade of life so you talk about yeah, the cascade of intervention yeah. during pregnancy and birth but it's actually continues throughout your life whereas absolutely. you know the woman who gives birth empowered starts that journey empowered and mm -hmm. then parents empowered and then the children become empowered and society becomes empowered because we you know we're full of empowerment like everyone's empowered it's amazing <laughs> yeah the world according to us we're all empowered and we're you know but all they, feminine and <laughs> It is. It's, it's not really that um, genius, you know, give birth in power. Your children are going to feel in power. Your partner's going to feel in power. Everyone's feeling good right from the start yeah, rather yeah. than feeling fucked from the start. Yeah, yeah. Or looking, you know, like the, you know, when we, we've got women coming out of birth with post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, yeah. Like, how is that possible? We've got it's women, huge. you know, we've got women that have the symptoms that somebody's been in a war zone. That's what they come out of mm -hmm. birth. And we're not addressing that. I, I just can't even begin to imagine why that isn't an absolute emergency in our society. It's fucking huge. And it's and it's because, you know, they say, well, you know, I remember an obstetrician saying, it's just one day in the life of the baby. That's how he described birth. <laughs> and this was an obstetrician. And I remember thinking, well, it's, the baby's not even born yet. It's actually about the woman for a start. Well, you're not a pediatrician, you're an obstetrician, so it should be about the woman. And again, like we said, that one day impacts them for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And the rest you know. of their baby's life yeah, as absolutely. well. Absolutely. absolutely. If mothers come out okay, guess what? Babies come out yeah. okay. And, yeah. you know, yes, okay, you might physically be alive, but, you know, yeah. suicide is like the number one yeah. um, cause of death yeah. for new mothers. It's yeah. not fucking postpartum hemorrhage. Yeah. It's suicide because they're coming out so fucking broken that they yeah. can't handle it anymore. Yeah. 
And even if they don't have suicide, they might have, um, you know, mental issues the rest of their life because of the way that they were treated during their birth. Yeah. And it's fucking generational as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just really sad. So let's talk about how we can make a revolution, Claire. <laughs> what do we do? How can we? <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying and it's yeah. very small, small steps. So that's why I teach. Yeah. And I always remember I've got, um, and it is slow, but you just think, you know, I'm there. We're here yes. for a start talking about it. Yeah. Um, and I stand in front of my students and I tell them how it is. Yeah. And I say, you know, you know, people are like, oh, it's too hard. You know, it's too hard to see it. We're moving, being abused every day. I just can't do it anymore. And I'm like, well, walk away. It's still going to happen. Mm. So rather than being part of the problem, be part of the solution. Mm-hmm. Start standing up and saying, has that woman consented for that? Yeah. You know, and I have students out there that do it every day. They are amazing. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that I see them talk about um, in their reflections or they they speak about makes me cry. Mm-hmm. And they go back in every day because they want to change the system. So I, I feel like I'm building my army. It might mm-hmm. only be slow, um, mm-hmm. you know, small steps. But, you know, getting people to actually talk to women. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I said to you before, women like you, you already know where you're going. You know mm-hmm. your choices. You know, that's why you made the choices that you made because you're educated about those choices mm-hmm. and you're informed. Majority of women don't have that information. Yeah. They go to the doctor, I'm pregnant. Well, who's your private obstetrician or here, you know, yeah. and then they become part of the system the and they actually way. don't know they've got a choice. So I think, you know, trying to talk to women, mm. saying you have got a choice, mm. you know, talking to little, I'm not even talking about, you know, women, I'm talking about little girls, yes. talking to little girls and little boys yes. about, you know, this is, you know, in life you have choices you need Mm. information to make your own choices and i think bringing that generation up to understand that talking about birth to Mm -hmm. everybody Mm -hmm. you know talking about empowerment to everybody um what about the idea also of making a new system so instead of trying to fix the oh absolutely absolutely like your system i think you're probably responsible for making a lot more home birth midwives in uh, Western Australia, yes, yes. yeah, uh, absolutely. Because a lot of those women wouldn't have even considered that. Yep. For you, uh, yep. if it wasn't, you know, coming to. Yeah. Well, yeah, we know that because we've got some of the students that I've taught yeah. that are actually going out into practice. Yeah. And I think so. What's really hard is like we've talked about this before, you know, especially as an academic. So many people are doing studies around, you know, mm-hmm. stuff, and exactly like that, the system yeah. isn't broken. Yeah. Now, Rachel. Um, Reed, who's mm-hmm. like I spoke to you about before, is a really good friend of mine. We talk about this all the time. The system isn't broken. The system works perfectly for what it's designed to exactly. do, which is to bring the women in, bring the babies out and discharge the women. You know, mm-hmm. it's a machine and it works well. Yeah. So what we need to do is change the machine. You yeah. know, that isn't the machine that we want. Yeah. What's really hard is like, how do you do that? You know, with, yeah. I mean, you know, I'd love to just say, just blow the whole bloody thing up and start again. But, yeah. you know, it, you know, you have to have a transitional mm-hmm. period. Yeah. And for some women, you know, birthing in hospital is what they, what they well, it's not just what they want to do. It's what they need to do. You know, yeah. some women, you know, have comorbidities or, yeah. you know, complications that need the care that's provided yeah. in hospital. So what I think is we need the midwives like we're trying to do with admitting rights so that they can still be with those women, mm-hmm. regardless of where that birth takes place or what kind of care that's needed. Mm. So I think that's a thing. 
I think, you know, having a, a midwife for every woman, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's the core. The core thing is that, you know, that women that want a midwife can have one. Mm-hmm. And for some women, you know, even with risk factors or whatever, you know, still want a birth at home, that's fine. You have that safety net around them. They've got, you know, the choice that they want, which is, you know, the midwife. Um, and then you've also got the safety net to choose where you birth. So if you want a birth at home, you birth at home. If you want a birth at hospital, you birth at hospital. And your midwife goes with you and then can key into those other people that may well be there to mm. support them. Um, and it's all free, obviously. Yeah. You know, yeah. so here's your five grand. So you don't want a midwife. Here you go. Five grand. Have a party, you know. Yeah. Use your five grand. You know, you want your midwife. You know, have your yeah. midwife. Yeah. Here's your five grand. You want a doctor. Have a doctor. Mm-hmm. I think give all the power back to the women it's in new zealand yes yeah and again there's no no perfect system yeah because again you've still got it's not still you've still got patriarchy Mm. you've still got the power in the wrong places Mm. you know you've still Mm. got the power within the system and not in the women so Mm -hmm. you know the women we need to be working for the women not the women fitting into our system which is what we've got at the moment um but again I suppose we're kind of in that between a rock and a hard place at the moment because, again, like I said, women don't necessarily know their own power. They don't feel that they're capable. You know, Mm. lots of women are frightened of birth. Mm. Um, They're frightened of um, the pain, you know, all those things. The other day say to me, I just don't know if my body can do it. Yeah. So that's what I mean. So that's exactly those conversations, which is why we talk to children and go, well, why couldn't your body do it? And I think that's the turning it around. Well, why are you so special Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't be able to do it? Like, I just believe that you will. Mm -hmm. And then if you can't, then we'll do something. But actually most of us can just have a baby, mm-hmm. you know? So but we it's need... hard when one third of all births are C-sections and they've yeah. heard from one third of their friends all yeah. these fucking traumatic stories. Yeah, well, and, and more that, uh, you know, that's the cesareans, but how many more births are actually, you know, um, assisted by vacuum or forceps oh, yeah. and how many are induced and how many oh, have epidurals? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, less than 50% of women go into spontaneous labor. Yeah, so, I mean, crazy. that's when you're starting from, you know, the World Health Organization says that after 10 to 15%, cesareans don't give any, you know, benefit. Yeah. So why, you know, why isn't there inquiry into why we've got over 30% of women giving birth by a surgical procedure? Because some people, like I was telling you before, some doctors don't believe women should be giving birth vaginally. So why aren't we reporting those doctors, though? You know, they go out and they report all the midwives. Oh, exactly. what, you want to have a home birth and you're making an informed choice to do that with risk factors? Yeah. Oh, I'm going to report the yeah. midwife for supporting you. Yeah. But I'll give you cesarean for no medical reason whatsoever and not give you all the information. And I'm allowed to do that. Exactly. I mean, why? Exactly. So, (laughs) so you know, that's and that's something I think that we need to fix that before we can fix. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. We just gotta gotta keep trying, though, haven't you? I mean, how? uh, What are you seeing a change since you've started lecturing to where you are now? Is it getting better? Is it? Yeah. No, it is getting better. Like it, it is. It's not getting better fast enough. No. You know. You know. Ten years ago, every time you stepped foot into King Edward, you were reported as a midwife, as an independent mm. midwife. Pretty much, it didn't matter what you got, what you went in for. And so, who's reporting you? The obstetricians. Well, not just the obstetricians. The other you know, midwives. Other midwives. You know, and it, and it, and again because. It was a lack of under, it's a lack of understanding of birth to begin with and different choices. So, you know, I think there's that, 
you know, for for example, a woman that, you know, might be laboring longer than the expected 12 hours that the hospital says you're allowed to labor for. So if you transferred in, mm. you know, after, you know, 24 hours or whatever, the shock factor would be, but how is that allowed to happen rather than going, oh, well, obviously they made a safe transfer and isn't that great that they're here. So there would be that, you know, punishing um side of things well you haven't behaved the way we think and we think you're unsafe so I, I think there's more of an understanding that just because we practice differently within the community doesn't necessarily mean we're unsafe mm -hmm. um, I still think that there's doctors and midwives out there that think that if you choose to have your baby outside of hospital then that's a unsafe choice mm. but I do think that's changing yeah. um, there, there's a team you know for example the admitting rights I mean that's taken a really really long time mm -hmm. and it's still not perfect um and there's still a lot of barriers to it but that I mean I never thought for one minute that that would be a possibility really when I look back to where I was 10 years ago mm -hmm. um and I and I think that is you know for me I'm a home birthing woman myself yeah. you know I generally you know provide care in the community mm -hmm. that's what I love I love home births I love you know sitting on somebody's floor and you know having a cup of tea while they birth their baby you know there's so many special things about being in the community but like I said to you for some women that's not their safe space so mm -hmm. why don't they get to have their midwife you know why don't they get to have continuity of mm -hmm. care well now they do yeah. you know um and I think the more that this becomes a normalized process mm -hmm. the less women will choose to birth you know in the tertiary system or yeah. in, you know they'll be choosing birth centers and home births because why wouldn't they mm -hmm. because you know what we do as midwives or what I do is the way I practice is from the word go is believe that woman's going to be able to birth her baby yeah you know yes we're there to do all the other expected things of a registered midwife mm -hmm. But I totally trust birth, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not done me wrong so far, you yeah. know, because a woman will generally tell me if it's not working mm -hmm. or the baby will tell me or, you know, the situation will tell me. Mm -hmm. So it's very rare that it doesn't give you signs if things aren't going to plan. Mm -hmm. So, um, Quick question. Is there anybody uh, that you wouldn't support at home? Oh, do you know... I think I think that's a really hard question because mm -hmm. I think I think it you know I say yes and I say no because which isn't a very good answer but mm -hmm. because I've never had a situation like that mm -hmm. because if the woman has choose, chosen to birth at home even if they've got you know risk factors that we generally recommend hospital mm -hmm. if it's a situation that I feel that I can provide care in which more often than not it is because they're going to be laboring and birthing in, you know, just because you've got risk factors doesn't necessarily mean you couldn't have a normal physiological birth. Mm -hmm. um, and if they've got something that I feel that isn't within my scope of practice or that I couldn't support them, then we'd be having that conversation. Mm -hmm. And the woman probably wouldn't be choosing to birth at home. Mm -hmm. So for me, for example, breach is one that comes up a lot mm -hmm. um, in this climate I probably if I knew the baby was breached I probably would be encouraging the woman to have her baby in hospital Why but is that, that? that's to protect me yeah like absolutely 100% do yeah. I believe that she could birth her baby with me at home probably majority yeah. of the time so when you say protect her you're worried about like registration yeah, and, yeah because that, and yeah. also you know some breech babies do need more help at birth right mm -hmm. So, you know, and if I chose to support a woman who had, um, you know, a breach presentation at home knowingly, then, you know, I know that I'm risking my registration. Yeah, and and that's is... not really, mm. so, so it's not about losing my registration. 
It's about if I'm in that birth space, will that be in my mind and will I affect the birth space? Does that make sense? So, so you're worried about, uh, sorry, yeah, go again, clarify. So, so it's not necessarily that I'm worried that I'm not going to support her because I'd lose my registration if somebody reported me. Because mm-hmm. I think that if a woman makes that choice to birth at home, mm-hmm. then that's her choice. And I feel actually as a profession, we're quite protected in that. We can, you know, we can still support women if they're choosing something. Mm-hmm. One, have I got the skills, you know, if there was a complication? Well, you know, I've done lots of, I haven't done lots of breech births because there aren't lots of breech births anymore. I've done lots of breech training, so probably, but would I be worried about being reported? Probably. So am I best person? I don't know, because I will Mm. bring a lot of baggage to that birth, I suppose is what I'm saying. So would I be happier, happier supporting her in the hospital? probably mm-hmm. so what happens if she was happy to sign away say this is completely my decision i take all responsibility away from you as a midwife but how again it's that really tricky thing because of course 100 percent it's her decision mm-hmm. always yeah. and they they and i believe in any birth that's what they do i don't take any responsibility yeah. for a birth that's mm-hmm. not my responsibility but a lot of people would think it's your responsibility yeah but yeah exactly but i think and the that, law thinks it's your responsibility because if something goes wrong at home there is that witch hunt for midwives yes and yes if something goes wrong at home and I don't act in an, an appropriate manner, then it is my what fault. they deem is appropriate manner. Yeah, and sometimes that's okay because sometimes people don't, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, if I was in a situation at home and something happened because I didn't have the right skills, I didn't make the right decisions. For example, if a baby came out and I didn't know how to resuscitate a baby that needed resuscitating, then that would be malpractice. You know, you know, as a registered midwife, I should know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So if I didn't do it in a correct manner then I think that's okay I think I should be punished for that you know because that is a core skill on the opposite end this happens in hospital where obstetricians have malpractice all the time and there is going to be malpractice regardless we're not 100% perfect human beings are we yeah and as much as the training whatever you can do um I don't know if there's malpractice Natalie I think there might be for me personally I think that you know that maybe that's the wrong word sorry. yeah because malpractice means yes. that you you know yes, that's is. that's a different yes. term and i think there's going to be incidents i think sometimes babies die mm-hmm. sometimes you know women bleed sometimes these things happen that's not mal. you know if if no, we yeah so if we respond in a way and the baby still dies then that's you know we've done the best that we can do and like you said if that happens at home yes they'll come after us but am i okay with that absolutely mm. because i know that i can defend my practice if I knowingly supported a woman, for example, with twins at home, I'm not very, you know, how many twins have I cared for at home? If she feels that she needs a midwife there, she needs to feel comfortable. But this that is that the funny thing because you haven't done it, but you haven't done it because it's not allowed yeah. and then it just perpetuates yeah, this absolutely. whole fucking thing. But, if it, but the thing is, as opposed to me, so we're in that hybrid thing at the moment. So, you know, in olden days... The midwives did that all the time because mm-hmm. that was accepted and, you know, the practice. Mm-hmm. So they felt confident in their skills as a midwife. Mm-hmm. And like, exactly like you're saying, so now we're in that interim bit when the midwives don't feel confident There's in no those skills. skills. Um, so the interim for me at the moment until we get those skills back is by supporting women with their midwife in the room, mm. in the hospital or whatever. So it's a bit of an in-between. Or exactly like you said, going, okay, well, this woman 100% wants her baby to be born at home. 
So the system has to support her and the midwife to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're lacking because we don't have those choices. We have, you do it alone or you do it in the hospital. Mm -hmm. You don't have those in between. And I think as a registered midwife like I am, that's when it gets really gray for us. Mm -hmm. And I I, I don't actually know, to be honest, Mm -hmm. 100%. That's why I say yes and no, because I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, if I was at home and a baby came out and it was breached, then the baby comes out breached. You know, what are you going to do? Like, it's just one of those things. But if you know the baby's going to come out breach before you're in labor, then what do you do? You know, I'm, you know, I'm talking myself in circles because I don't know what my response would be. Mm. Um, And also I'd be saying to the, what is the woman frightened of? Or why does she want to stay home so much? Or, you know, same as why do women want to go to hospital so much? What's Mm. what's underlying those decisions? Mm. And more often than not, I think it's because the fear of what they will do to them. Mm. in hospital which Mm. you know can be valid that's very valid but if you've got your woman um sorry if you've got your midwife with you are you still as fearful of what they're going to do to you because not as but i think you're still fearful i've been with my midwife yeah but not with admitting rights not with admitting rights and i think that's a big thing because you know as the midwife who's transferred in before admitting rights then you had no power as the midwife because they were taking over the care. But as mm. the midwife with admitting rights, you're only invited into the room if mm. you're invited into the room. Mm. So we've had very different experiences. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And also, you might just want to stay home because you feel safest Yeah, there. absolutely. Absolutely, and 100%. You know to have a physiological birth, you need to feel safe and you don't yeah. feel safe in hospital. Yeah. And yeah. for some people, they might have a postpartum bleed in, in hospital, hospital because yeah. they're so fearful. But I think, again, there's that. So I 100% agree with you. And, you know, and what's really hard because as a woman, I know I would probably not be my ideal candidate as a midwife because I probably wouldn't do any of the things that my midwife would say. Mm-hmm. And maybe I wouldn't even have a midwife because I wouldn't do all the things that mm-hmm. I'd say. Um, but you have to, there is that think that not all birth is safe and not all women will have a safe birth so there is that little regardless bit of, name, of location regardless, yeah regardless <laughs> of location however at home you only have access to so much stuff mm-hmm. but it's um, also um <laughs> it's all perspective isn't it because you only have access to so much stuff but you might have more access to your natural resources as mm-hmm. i'm talking about like oxytocin for example yep. that natural resource won't necessarily for some particular people be available to them in yeah, hospital absolutely. so it's not so black and white no um, it's never well, it's never yeah. is it's birth isn't it yeah. it's absolutely gray throughout yeah um and i think you know it's the polarity again of it is that there isn't i think we have to be very careful as midwives and as women to say you know this is the only choice mm-hmm. or this is the best choice regardless of you know but home birth or free birth is the only choice. Yes, Hospital absolutely. birth is the only choice. And absolutely. I think that's what can make us less powerful yes. as women yes. and, you know, as midwives, um, you know, that you say, you know, um, that, you know, that women, you know, take responsibility for their choices and the midwives take responsibility as well. But I don't think all women or all midwives do. No, I, I completely and I think, agree. Yeah, and I think that's agree. what gets, yeah. <laughs> I think we're in this culture of where nobody takes responsibility for themselves, Mm -hmm. like nobody. Yeah. And that's why um, (laughs) the world is so fucked for so many reasons. It once you start, and I think for me, having my free birth, starting to realize taking a hundred percent responsibility 
for everything in my life. It's not fucking easy. You know, yeah, if my baby died at home, guess whose fault? Fault. No, I don't like that word. So I always do this. Um, whose responsibility that would have been? Mine. Yeah. Or um, not, because maybe it would have happened anyway. But, exactly. Yeah. But it's still my responsibility. Like, it's mm. not that it's a fault. And that's where yeah, I had yeah. to trip myself, yeah. trip myself up. Yeah. But, you know, that was my choice. And because I made that choice, it's my responsibility to live with any consequences good or bad and i think that's where the gray area comes with midwifery because i think sometimes think because the midwife's there Mm -hmm. that means everything will be okay exactly and i think you know going back to what you said if the woman says well you know i'm taking full responsibility blah 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 but do they know what that means exactly so you know and because like i'm a trained midwife you know i've got that knowledge of that what can go wrong Mm -hmm. even though you know like i say most of the time it doesn't yeah you know there is that different way of thinking. So mm-hmm. when the woman says, you know, you know, I'll take full responsibility and then something does go wrong. They blame and then it on they you. blame the wife. Yeah. Absolutely. You didn't tell me that could have happened. Well Exactly. You, do you know what I mean? So the and that, I mean we know that that's been a thing, you know, we we've seen that in the and media. I think and this stuff. is the big thing in birth. Everybody is so afraid of litigation because it is real. Yeah. It, and also not, because most people, you know, most babies don't die. Most women yeah. do come out of birth unscathed within the community, I mean. Yeah. They don't in hospital, like you said. Yeah. You know, quite often it does go wrong in hospital because yeah. they don't, you know, there's so much more intervention. But then, you know, with the higher risk births, and I hate saying higher risk, so, the, you know, you know, women that might have more complicated pregnancies or twins or breach and stuff like that, you mm-hmm. know, there is a higher mm-hmm. indication of being complications with those births mm-hmm. for some women. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you know, if that happens in the home environment, then society blames the woman and then the midwife, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think that's where it gets very, very tricky. Um, and then, you know, what if it starts to go wrong and then people don't want to go to hospital because they know what's at hospital and then the midwife doesn't want to go to hospital because then they'll get blamed and you just end up with things going underground and then that's not safe either. It's really hard and it's very murky and, um. Yeah, that is sort of like another reason I chose free birth because I didn't want to involve anyone else in my choices or make them responsible because I I didn't feel like I needed them. Well, but that's (laughs) the difference again, Natalie. um, You didn't need them because you felt that you didn't need them. Whereas I think what happens with some women is that they're too frightened to go to hospital but they're too frightened to be home alone Mm -hmm. because – and that's when it's really hard as a midwife because – you know, this isn't, you know, the bogs, and we're not talking about, you know, the women that are just going to birth a baby, you know, yeah. you know, the lower risk women or whatever you want to call them. But, you know, these are women that may well have complications, but they haven't been given the choice. For example, I keep going back to twins and breach because like we were talking about before, well, your baby's breached, you have to have a cesarean. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, you know, can I have my baby at home with a midwife? No. So you've got, you can't have your baby at home with a midwife or you can have a cesarean. What are you going to choose? And then the midwife who absolutely believes that you can have your baby physiologically in a breech birth is too frightened to support you. Mm -hmm. So then you end up with that woman then maybe, you know, making a choice to birth alone, not because she wants to, but because she doesn't want the alternative option. Then something goes wrong. Well, we told you that was going to happen. If you'd have been a good little girl and had your baby in hospital, Mm -hmm. nothing would have gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Rather than going, well, what could we have done? to support you in your choices Um, or what did we do that made this go wrong because actually if you'd have said oh you know your midwife can go and you know well you know we're here if you need us thank you very much otherwise we'll see you with the baby you know yeah you know you've taken all the choice away yeah yeah Um, it's very messy and not black and white (laughs) yeah 
but interesting nonetheless. And yeah, I think it's just so great that you're doing what you're doing. And, oh, okay. um, <laughs> you know, I think you really are making a difference. You say it's small and maybe it is in one regard, but I don't think it is. You're kind of pumping out the new generation. Yeah, of- and I think like you were saying, it's hard because, you know, in some ways, you know, we're still propping up the system because, you know, mm. but I, I keep coming back to at the moment, you know, that's where the majority of women are making the choices. Yeah. And women have to be the ones that change things, not the midwives. Exactly. The women have to fuel that change. The women have to say, no, I want a midwife yeah. to support me at home. Yeah. I want my midwife to do this because there's more women than there are midwives that think like this. Yes. Um, and the midwives get scared. Yeah. It's, and they yeah. and then they practice defensively. And, yes. you know, that's unsafe. Yeah. And, you know, and fair enough, you know, for these midwives, that's their livelihoods. You know, that's the, you know, and that's why, you know, they have power over the midwives. Because if you don't behave in the right way, then we'll take that away from you. And mm-hmm. then you've got nothing. Mm-hmm. Um so you know there goes the patriarchy again (laughs) exactly and and it's just and it becomes and i think sometimes i just feel so powerless sometimes because you know i i know what it i want it to look like yeah and i feel like i'm trying to make my difference you know Mm -hmm. by turning up to work and you know spouting at the students and you know and they're amazing like i say they're at the coalface you know they're there excuse me every day Mm -hmm. seeing things that i probably couldn't deal with anymore Mm -hmm. but you know, that's the way I'm hoping to make the change. And like and you I, said, we've got midwives that, you know, I know I've taught. Yes. That are out in the community now that, are, you know, are choosing that for themselves. We've had so many clients actually that were students of ours. So, you know, women, you know, yeah. making those choices and, you know, taking that knowledge and power back to their workplaces as well and challenging the patriarchy within their place and mm-hmm. going, well, actually, like I said to you before, did the woman consent to that? Yeah. Or can I talk to you about that? And, yeah. you know. And the more we stand up, the more it will change. And I think it takes a multi-pronged approach. You know, I'm doing it my own way. You're doing it your own way. And I think that's just so important, you know. Um, You know, Michelle Odont has done it his own way. Um, And I mean, what fucks me off is like, I love Michelle Odont's work, but it fucks me off so much that it has to be such a patriarchal. I mean, he's probably had one of the biggest... um, what's the word influences in the birthing world and changes and guess what it's because he's a fucking man and he does it through um (laughs) a patriarchal system with research and study and academia and um you know that's why i'm very slightly considering doing a phd or something in free birth because i'm like maybe i'll come at it that way as well um because people will listen but is that kind of just pointless because i'm kind of subscribing to the patriarchy as well yeah but i don't know if that is a thing and again of course because you're talking to somebody who does work in academia but you have to have a seat at the table to change it you know so for example one of the things that i've been doing recently is working on the consultant I can say that right. You'll have to edit that bit. <laughs> well, I'm working on the um, consultation and referral guidelines, yep. which is the Australian College of Midwives, you know, guide for us to say, you know, what women were allowed to or not allowed to care for, right? So I put my hand up to that because that, you know, for example, like you said, if I have, if I look after a woman who's breached, right, mm-hmm. it's category C, which means she's supposed to birth in a tertiary system. So I'm going totally against my guidelines, yep. right? So I'm trying to change the guidelines going, well, actually, is it a C 
Or could that be a B, which means that, you know, the midwife can say, these are your choices. This is what I recommend, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then, like you said, the woman goes, thank you very much for that information. I want to do this or that or the other, mm-hmm. right? If I didn't have the qualifications I have, um, I wouldn't be able to do that, you mm-hmm. know? We've got stuff in that um this you know guidelines that are really not evidence-based at all saying that a woman has to dilate you know how many centimeters an hour otherwise she's having a prolonged labor well I know that that's not real exactly so there isn't evidence to support really either way but I can try and gather that because I know how to read research I know how to talk academic yes so I think there is power in that again like you were saying so it's those multi ways of multifaceted well I I read the other day I don't know how true this is I can't remember where I read it it takes 17 years for evidence-based practice to arrive yeah. in hospital or yeah. in policy unless it's what you want look at there's a so again again patriarchy thank you very much so the hannah breach trial was the one that changed breach forever that happened very very quickly because it depends on if we want the evidence to prove what we want it to prove or not mm. doesn't it so the arrive trial which is the one it was um one that was done about induction of labor mm-hmm. showed that well it showed as in the study was done there's lots and lots of flaws in it and it's an american study so of course never had midwifery care in it at all but this study they found um showed that you know if we induce women at 39 weeks then everyone's fine and it's great and women love it (laughs) until you underpick it and obviously it showed that for a very small amount of women who were already having obstetric led care and giving birth in obstetric units so maybe you know that wasn't such a great outcome it's in practice now. So that was done in 2018. And they're using that study wow. now to induce women in Perth at 39 weeks. Jeez. So some studies take, you know, 17 years or never. We've got loads of evidence to say midwifery-led care for all women is the gold standard and women's outcomes are better. Mm-hmm. That's not in practice. Yep. But you can induce you at 39 weeks. That's in practice. So, Ugh. But again, trying to have that seat at the table. But yeah. women have to ask for it. You know, women have to go, no, I'm not going to have an induction at 39 weeks. It. Well, demand <laughs> for it. Yeah, go, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Why? Where's the midwife? Why can't I have my midwife? You yeah. know? Yeah. But we accept it. Yeah. That's half the problem. Sit down and take it. Yeah. This is <laughs> yeah. uh, what I'm on a tirade at the moment. My husband's uh, saying to you before so over me because I'm always ranting to him. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to sit down and take it anymore. Yeah. And he said to me very sweetly, he said, like, you know, I'm going a lot about the patriarchy to him. And he said, just be patient with me. It's taking some time for him to kind of process it himself. And I said, I can't be fucking patient. It's been generational. I've been waiting for fucking centuries for this shit. Yeah. I'm not going to just sit down and he's just like, you're so intense right now. <laughs> but, the th- but again, no disrespect to your yes. husband, but it's because you're challenging exactly. the status quo, you know, and, exactly. you know, he's a man yeah. and he's got it good because he's a man. Like I have this with my husband all the time yeah. and like he doesn't get it. I'm like, but you're never going to get it. Like he's a great, amazing man, yep. amazing husband, amazing father, amazing yes. all round. Yes. but he's a privileged white man yep he's never going to get what it feels to be like a woman of course because he hasn't lived my life he doesn't understand what you know being a woman means like the things that we have to think about or say you know like i was saying to you before if you get a bit giddy or a bit silly you know that's because you're only a woman you know or you know i remember years ago when i was working in nursing and i was quite a high level position and I was at a meeting and I made a suggestion about something very basic and somebody turned and went oh isn't she articulate because there was all men apart from me as if oh my gosh the woman at the table managed to string a sentence together I mean how 
but that's what you're up against all the time you know as a woman particularly when you start moving in like those higher circles Mm. you know you know we have to explain ourselves we have to you know you know justify our existence you know especially women like me outspoken loud you know don't take no for an answer i'm not going to sit quietly you know i'm not going to be invited to the barbecues when the men are in one corner and the women in another corner because it's just not going to work men don't like women like me and that's actually okay because I don't like them either if they, you know, if they can't deal with a woman like me, you know, yeah. that comment, you're not everyone's cup of tea. Well, of course not, because I'm just challenging your preconceptions, yeah. you know, and I'm not going to sit and be all pretty and quiet in a corner. That's just never going to happen. Yeah. So anyway, ranting on there. I love it. I love it. I <laughs> but love it's, it. you know, and again, so even the most, you know, new man. Yep. They still don't get it. Yeah. Like, and I'm, you know, and it's like that. So to be a hardcore feminist, you're a man hater. No, I'm not. No, exactly. Like, yeah. I love men, but yes. I love, you know, but men have to start looking at themselves and mm-hmm. go, you know, all the stuff, you know, like as a woman, you know, how many times that, you know, you're both working and, you know, the man, you know, expects you to take that extra load to do the cooking and the shopping yeah. and the cleaning, even yeah. though actually my husband does all that. So not in this household, but you know, yeah. they tend to, we tend to pick up the slack all the time mm-hmm. because you know, that's our role in society. Yeah. Even if we have all those other roles yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, and even the most, you know, you know, hipster men or whatever, whatever the term for, for men that them, think yeah. they, you know, you know, like all this stuff with COVID and they said, oh, you know, all the men at home are all pulling their own weight, these studies. And then we actually go, well, actually they're not because, yeah. you know, the women pick it up. Yep. But, yeah. you know. Fascinating so, stuff. And yeah. it has to start with us and it is starting with yeah. us, like you say. And the conversations with our sons as well. Yes. Like, you know, like I, my, you know, I've got a 21 year old who is a feminist. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And trying to learn all the time. Like, you know, and I, I find it hard sometimes because he's so interested and he asks me these really intelligent questions. Mm-hmm. And I just want to like pull him down sometimes because he goes, you know, he'll ask questions that he hears, but you know, if women, you know, they go over the top sometimes, you know, well, yes, of course we go over the tops because we're really fucking angry that we don't have the same rights as you. Yeah. Oh, but you do like women do. Well, no, they don't because, you know, in his circle and because of the way he is, he thinks that all women have those opportunities, you know, mm. talking about, you know, kids that are brought up not to think that they can be, you know, scientists or you know whatever right from an early age you know not to encourage them in certain fields that still happens Mm. now so I think you know it's not just the flip side of that which I find really interesting is that there is no um uh respect or uh encouragement for women that may see motherhood as a career or whatever you want to call it and you know I I was talking to someone today about my high school it was all girls Catholic school and Hmm. it was a great school in many ways and it was sort of like yeah that whole go out and get it you can be whatever you want you can be a scientist you can Mm -hmm. be a fucking lawyer doctor whatever but there was a complete disrespect or lack of focus on the feminine side of mothering and I kind of like you've just missed that like why was that not given any pedestal and my mother-in-law always says you know motherhood is just needs to be put up on the pedestal again yeah absolutely it's just a complete lack of respect for that and I think when you look at that though and you look at societies like you know um some of the like Sweden and Norway and some of um, Finland um 
they have a lot of respect for that first year post-birth and mm. you know they they give women the paid um maternity leave and stuff as well because they value that mm. so you know obviously but you know if you support women to choose parenting mm -hmm. and pay them as well yeah. right, and recognize that yes. it's a valuable contribution to society yes. then that's also becomes an option for women you know to actually embrace that not mm -hmm. think oh you know i've got to go back to work because the baby's you know so young same you know like in, in australia we do that we want women back in the workforce mm -hmm. we're not respecting that actually nurturing that next generation is a really important job yeah and it's going to save the money a lot of yeah. the, the country a lot of money because we're going to have better outcomes for yeah. our children rather than throwing them all in daycare yeah. you know for somebody else to bring up mm -hmm. you know heartbreaking yeah yeah. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot to think about. A lot actually. <laughs> to think about. Well, Claire, it's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you for your insight, your your thoughts, the work you do. You're wonderful. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for listening to the Renegade Mama podcast. That's all for today. But if you would like to connect with me, I am on Facebook as the Renegade Mama podcast or on Insta as the underscore Renegade underscore Mama. You can also visit me on my new website, therenegademama.co, and there you'll be able to find out more information about the show, our latest birthing classes, and much more. The Renegade Mama is all about following your intuition, not the institution. We are sovereign. We are free. If you like the Renegade Mama podcast, then leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or our Facebook page. The Renegade Mama is released weekly on both Apple iTunes, Spotify, our website, or wherever you get your podcasts.